All right. Tonight joining me, I have Laura Brown with LBE Consulting. How are you doing this evening? I'm doing fine. I'm doing just great. Thank you so much. (laughs) You are welcome. So I have a couple of questions that most entrepreneurs would want to ask, but sometimes, you know, in the business industry as new entrepreneurs and or as new business owners, we want to ask these questions. We just don't want to ask these questions, if that makes sense. But before I even ask you, tell me about your business. Tell me about your business. Okay, so I am the founder of LBE Consulting. We started in 2006. It started out part-time. And in 2009, I decided to take it full-time. So what we do is we work with small and mid-sized business owners um, to help them to be a competitive force in today's environment, if that makes sense, to Mm -hmm. grow new business and to um, also start up businesses. So we offer a couple things, and that is taxes, accounting, and consulting services um, to those. And those of my clients that I have consulting services are um, in the services department. And so what we do, we have two types of, and one is a turnaround, Mm -hmm. the other is an enhancement. A turnaround is where we just bust the company apart and we start all over. Oh, I like that. Yeah. I like that. I like that a lot. Do you know, like this, most companies, um, smaller businesses, I know like in small daycares and um, small convenience stores or boutiques, they fail because of, there's so many businesses that need you because they fail for lack of understanding how taxes work and the financing part of the business work. That is so true. We get a lot of people that just have not done taxes. They're afraid to see what they mm-hmm. do. So they're not paying their estimated tax quarterly tax um, payments. It's just all kinds of things. You, you And then another thing is the biggest thing, no one is really doing taxes on time or paying what they're supposed to because they're not keeping track of it. So That's so true. That is true. If you can't afford for us to do it, then I'm that different type of accountant where I teach them to how to be the DIY person as much as I can. Now, we can't teach them how to, you know, specifically classify all the accounting as we do, but we can tell you what bucket place to put it in. And then once we get it, if it needs to be mm-hmm. moved, we can move it. So at least they have a starting point. Oh, I absolutely love that. That leads me into the next question. Well, why did you decide to start this type of business? I know. It's everyone wants to be a consultant, but it it sounds to me like you're doing it the right way. Why did you decide to do this type of business? So when I when I first started this business in um, 2006, I saw a need. I was working in public accounting and I saw all of the things that were going on. The firm that I was specifically working with didn't cater to small business owners, really. And when I put the quote, really, is because if you were a micro startup with no money, then you can to be a client of ours because you couldn't afford the fees. So I saw that there was a need and especially women. And that was what I wanted to gravitate to. And as time went on and it was proven success, we just started out with two lines that we did. That was just the taxes and the bookkeeping. And as times went on and it was proven success that clients needed more and were willing to pay for more, then we mm-hmm. had additional revenue streams of additional things. Well, let me ask you a question. Do you feel that being an entrepreneur is easy or do you think it's something that is difficult? What has been your take on entrepreneurship thus far? 
I would like to say entrepreneurship is difficult. Um, mm -hmm. The reason why is because everybody doesn't tell you the good, the bad, and the ugly. You just accept so where I am now, but you don't see where I came from or what I went through. When I first started up, I had this idea and it was a good idea, but I thought that I was going to run just like I had in corporate America of being a CFO and just like I had in public accounting. Well, guess what? I started joining everything, just spending off money, joining chambers, never getting business because there was a lot of people. So that was a waste. Those were costly, wasteful mistakes that I made in a good thing. Oh, gosh. I love that you just said that. I'm loving talking to you already. <laughs> Do you know some a small business, literally, I, wanna, I say literally, I mean like within hours ago, asked me, would it be a good idea to, to, to join the chamber? And I, my first thoughts were, well, who are you targeting? Because if you're a smaller business, that is not for you. I've been a part of the chamber um, before, twice actually, and I actually got no, it didn't serve me, it didn't help me at all. It was just a, a yearly fee that I paid and I got nothing out of it besides a ribbon cutting, if that makes sense. Yes, it does. I love that you just said that because I thought the same thing, but nobody says this stuff. No, I was spinning my wheels going to every event that was out there because I thought that if I put myself out there, someone would want what I had. Um, and that was just the wrong thing because I really had narrowed and zoomed in on who was truly my focus, who could mm -hmm. the service that I was providing and who needed it. Now, I knew who I was targeting. I had a, had it down on paper who it was, but there was times I would get away from that because someone would invite me. I would say, okay, but then right. to come back to the drawing board. And this was after a long bout with almost losing my business through going through depression and anxiety. And when I came wow. back, then I decided to go full steam ahead and really narrow down who was my target market, who could I help, and if I could not help this person, then what all other alternative could I provide to them? Well, I'm, it's so funny that you said that because my, my next question would be, well, how did you, as an entrepreneur, going through what you went through and you felt like um, you were having a hard time, did you ever get to a breaking point where you thought you may just have to close your business down? Well, I was at a breaking point. Um, I was a single mother at the time of three children and my youngest son was doing the marketing and I mm -hmm. had um, one of my best friends that worked with me. Well, I was no longer active in the business. I was, I started out telling people I had taken a sabbatical and it wasn't, it was depression had went so bad. Um, to oh, wow. to lose the business. She knew that I couldn't afford to. So her and my youngest son started um, seeing clients, sending emails. He would send emails on behalf and they'd have my name on them um, of other things that he had seen in the email box. If it was a new client that we were onboarding, he had worked in the business. So he knew how to onboard people. Right. Wow. Well, as you know, it's actually good to have someone um, in your corner and on your team that knows how to operate your business just as good or if better, because you train them. So that way, if something were to happen, you have that person to lean on. Most people do not have that kind of support. And if they would have went through what you went through, some businesses just don't make it through that. They go through that funk. 
they just never bounce back because they don't have that kind of support. Well, let me ask you one question. If you could change anything about your business at this very point in time, what would it be? Anything you would like? At this point in time right now, there wouldn't be anything that I would change. Um, Mm -hmm. Not really. I think for me, I'm a driving force to be an educator. So that's the only thing that I possibly would change is educate people more. If you never become a client of mine, I want you to always learn something from me. So then in the back of your mind, you can say, this is what she said, and I can look it up. And when you're talking to someone else in business, you can be wary and know just in case they're trying to come and take advantage of you or something isn't going right or just anything. So it's all about educating the public on um, the areas that I focus on um, that I call myself that junkie, um, which is really just on having a great um, business and making, it's not all about making money, but making the money you need to sustain. And if you're loving what you do, like I do, then it, you don't see it as a job. I'm willing, oh, wow. That's amazing. I'm, and I'm willing to go off and travel because there's times of months and months that I don't see my family. That's a sacrifice that I make to consult out there with the bigger companies. You know, it's funny because I love the energy that you bring and what your business stands for because there's not, you don't have very many entrepreneurs that's willing to put in, educate. They don't want to educate for the fear of competition or someone else in their arena or just they don't want, they, they don't want to educate, period. And I found myself as a new entrepreneur about five years ago. Um, running into that where I wanted to be educated and helped and cultivated and that was not the case but you that is that's that is not the case at all um, it sounds like you do not mind educating um, whatsoever how do you how do you keep a work-life balance like how do you keep that so it's it's been very hard, especially these last two years. It's been very challenging because I have to remember that I do have a family and that my family wants me to spend time with them. So I have to remember that when I'm taking engagements, if it's a long period of engagement, like I was in Midland, Texas from last year, from February on mm-hmm. September, I have to remember Ooh. that I have to take the, ex, the extra step to fly in to meet them um, on vacations, um, to fly back home, to spend days. Um, there may be where I'll tell clients, I only work for you Monday through Thursday. Friday is um, when I'm at home. So I'm trying to be at home with my husband on Friday, Saturday, and then Sunday I leave back out. It's all about us scheduling it right. And it's all about my family also has to be willing and wanting to work with me as well. Um, it's nothing like having family support because you can have an amazing business, but without that family support, the entrepreneur at hand, the primary entrepreneur, it seems though, they have a hard time finding that balance because you want to please all parties involved. And so without that, that, that support, it kind of teeter totters and they lose focus. I've seen that in a bunch of new business owners. Um, (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Okay. Then, you know, you know, it's, it's hard. Like I know. For me, I am learning that work-life balance because I am in so many different arenas. It's that I, I have to find time. I have to make time to have time 
So that way my family is not on the back burner. Right. You got to be able to service your client, but you still have to have that, that time with your, their, their work life balance. If it makes and even if you own more than one business, that's super important to have that work life balance. And it's hard when you are new entrepreneur. And I know that, you know, that Lord, do you have any other businesses besides your consulting company? I do. I have a financial education services uh, company. It's called rock your finances. Oh, Yes. So it's all about financial literacy for um, pre-K on up to adults. And we talk about uh, personal financial, even business. And I am the Arkansas chair that has been appointed by the uh, Chicago Federal Reserve. So I'm the chair for Arkansas for the uh, Smart Money Project. That is pretty cool. Can you tell me a little bit more about that project real quick? Because I think um, there's, there's a lot of people in Arkansas that is hungry for financial literacy, and it's just not out here. Right. Um, there's not a lot of people. I mean, you have different programs that are like multi-level marketing. I'm not, I don't know the names of them, but I've seen them. Right. But there's nobody that that's out here that I've seen that has that financial literacy piece just like right there, packaged and ready. So we do. Um, we have a grow grow and money um, toolkit. And it's 241 pages where we will teach out of that. Of course, we don't get a chance sometimes to teach the whole entire thing, but it is a tool for them to take with them and continue what we're teaching them. Then we we host events all over the United States. Um, And so we teach budgeting to single parents. Um, We also, I just finished my completion of my certification for financial planning to do the pro bono, to do um, many um, services. Awesome. Congratulations. So we do, we even have a a coloring book named after my granddaughter. It's called Ari, Ari Saves. So it's all about teaching kids that starting at three to four years old, how to save. We read and have story time, but the the coloring book also allows them to color in it and trace the words save and different items like that. Oh, I like that. Targeting all um, age groups. So we also have um, programs for women that have to do with mental health, combining the mental health and financial Mm -hmm. Because most people don't know that um, there is a lot of financial literacy problems that are also driven by your mental health. If you are depressed or you're bipolar one or two, those things will make you spend. Um, it absolutely does. That is the absolute truth. It does. And and that was one of my problems with the anxiety and the depression. I became almost, I was a manic depression. So I would have a spin, spin, spin. Um, so that is why we touched that. And that just launched this year. Um, we launched that in March. Um, the initiative, it took me a while to write the program. Um, my daughter, who is a, um, licensed counselor here in the state of Arkansas. It has helped me with it. And so she will speak on different things where we need a counselor. So um, whatever nonprofits, not even nonprofits, businesses, churches, whoever it is that want to partner with Rock Your Finances all over the United States, we do travel and we do um, do financial literacy. I like that. I like that so much. I'm going to get more information about that offline so that I can share it because that is something that is absolutely needed. Well, you know what? Since you're talking about finances, I'm going to ask the question of all questions because I'm pretty sure 
people would like to know when you started your business did it did you need a lot of capital how, how did you maneuver that I laugh because I tell <laughs> when I tell people this they're like for real so when I started my business guess what I had no capital what okay <laughs> capital look I, the only thing I had was I purchased QuickBooks and I became a QuickBooks Pro advisor. So I, then the next year I started beta testing. So they gave me the uh, software for free and then I got the tax software for free. So then I did, I was working out of my home for the longest I would meet back then. I would meet people in Starbucks. Then as I became bigger, me and um, my best friend who has a bookkeeping company, we began to share office space and we shared a assistant. And so everything from there, we started sharing software, everything. We started splitting it down the middle. Of course, now they have ways to, on the UL, uh, the in license user agreements, they have ways to track if you're downloading that license more than multiple times. But that right. was back then we were able to have, we had it on a network server where we had an IT person. We both paid him if he had to come out. So we thought of everything that it was to be able to save money so that we could get up off the ground and really start running. She had already been in her office for a while. I was just starting in 2009. She opened the door for me and I was very thankful. Um, so there was no capital. I tell people there was none. Wow. That is amazing. You know, I've, I've heard stories of businesses opening with no capital, but people want to start so big, like nobody wants to start small anymore. They open up a business, they start it, they get their LLC, which they probably rush through that, and that's not filed correctly. So they're yeah. rushing to get everything done, and they go get a brick and mortar, and then they're closed down in a year and a half. If if that, if that, what would you, what advice would you give to a new entrepreneur that's struggling, like somebody that's uh, about a year into it but just cannot find their groove? No matter what, what would you give them? don't. Don't try to be everything to everyone. Oh, say that again. Don't try to be everything to everyone. Know who your serious target market is. I feel like I'm talking to myself. That is that is the truth. It is. If you are selling, here is what I tell a client. I will give you an example. If you are selling an electric blue lipstick, your client is not ages 18 to 50 because in my professional environment, I'm not wearing electric blue lipstick. So your client is probably going to be 18 to 24 target down on those. And those are probably going to be the fashionistas or those that wear those type of things on the weekend, not during the weekdays, unless they have some type of creative job in their one of these fashion icons that is coming up on social media. So you got to really know who you're targeting. You can't just say my target is women. It's 18 to 50. That's too wide. Then the next thing you've got to say, if you do an 18 to 24, can an 18 year old afford my lipstick at $17 um, a two? You have to know who can afford it. So if you say, mm, they probably will not be my ideal customer because they're still in school. So then you've got to change it a little bit. So let's say by uh, 20 to 24. Mm -hmm. Narrow that down. That's how narrow specific you have to be and how you have to know who your target audience is. 
Wow. You know what's funny? I said that. To, I mean, I, I think I was on a podcast somewhere. I said this and I spoke this. When you're brand, and I love branding and mm-hmm. brand management, you cannot service everybody. Servicing everybody, you service absolutely nobody. And when I say this, people look at me like I am crazy. But it's true. You cannot have an event or you can't have a product or a service and say, I'm going to target this group of people and you turn around and target the other you can't is the, it can't be that wide range and I'm so mm-hmm. glad that you said that because now I can say uh-uh Laura also said the same yeah. exact thing you can't service everybody it's just not it's just not feasible it doesn't work that way well where do you see your business in the next three to five years in the next three to five years I see us growing even more but in the I'm not sure that if we'll continue to have as many brick and mortars as we have. Um, I think that we will scale back some and that we will have um, just probably one location and people will work more on a virtual term and going out as needed with clients. Um, That's the way of the world now, virtual, everything's remote. So we service, um, we probably service 79 clients through QuickBooks remote list. Now they can log in and they can see their information and I can get on the phone and have a conversation should they need it. I can Zoom, Skype, any type of blue jean, any type of thing, you name it, I have it to come in contact with clients. That's how I'm able to work with clients in Canada, Ukraine, China, other places like that. So I see us you know, growing to be more globally. I love that in you. And I'm I'm wishing you all the best. I have one more question before I stop tying up your night. What are three pieces of advice you would give to someone desiring to become an entrepreneur? One thing I would say is you're desiring, but make sure that you truly are meant to be an entrepreneur. I know that mm-hmm. you're telling people to open up businesses, but there are some people that just truly are not entrepreneurs. Entrepreneurs, you need to have thick skin. You cannot wear your feelings on your sleeves. Uh, number two, you must invest in yourself. If you don't invest in yourself, you can quickly see whatever area it is that you decide to focus on. You will become obsolete. And so then- true. Yes. And the next thing I would tell you is to just really be disciplined. You have to be disciplined because when you're an entrepreneur, there is no one that tells me, Laura, you have to get up at five o'clock in the morning every morning. There is no one that tells me you have to do this specific task. You have to be disciplined enough to if you get back off track, get yourself back on track, because the number one problem that we have these days is trust, lack of trust in, it, in our um, business world. People cannot trust people. Your word is no longer your bond. So if it's a, a product or you promise them a service, then you need to be able to deliver. I tell my clients that are drop shipping items, they don't even have the items in the store. Let's not do that. Have something, <laughs> right? Because if your items should be held up in customs, what happens? You have someone's merchandise that they paid for because technically it is theirs after they've rendered you payment for that merchandise or services. And so it only takes one second to ruin a name that lasts for a lifetime. That's my quote. Oh, that is so true because you never get a set. You don't get a second first impression. And I say that so 
many times as, as you can be, a, what you said is you hit right on the nail, right on the head. Because when you think about um, drop shipping, for instance, you, you don't have the item right there. Like you said, it's not there. And if that person is banking on receiving that item, you can kind of, you can sever that relationship. That can be, that can go bad. I've yeah. seen it where it can go I bad. Someone's bad. Yes. So I, I just, I thank you for all of your wisdom and all of your insight tonight. I want to just thank you so much for joining me. I truly, truly, truly appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. And it was such a pleasure talking to you.